0: you're listening to the Blair list podcast what's up guys welcome back to another episode of the Blair list podcast I'm super excited for this week's episode because it is with my friend of a very long time Gil Kohapi. Gil is a lawyer, a musician, an entrepreneur. Honestly, the list goes on and on. He literally does it all. Every time I have a problem, I call Gil since I'm like 12 years old. Welcome, Gil. Thanks for having me, Blair. So how this podcast actually came about is really funny because Gil texted me one day and he was like, I have a great idea for this podcast. And we were talking about how content creation has really transformed over the past I don't know, six or seven years. And Gil is very on top of all things tech. He has the new iPhone just saying, (laughs) sitting next to me, didn't even realize it was out yet. And we were talking about how this transformation has really gone from corporations creating content because they had huge budgets to making things a lot more accessible. People creating their own businesses off of Instagram or creating their own Mm -hmm. content and getting viral off Twitter and and really promoting themselves that way. And I was like, oh, that is a great topic. We should talk about it. You should be on the podcast too. So... Because Guild does so many different things, I really wanted to touch on, um, first and foremost, you being a lawyer. Because you not only have like your day job, where you work more in like the insurance realm, but you also represent artists, creatives, and entrepreneurs. That's right. On this podcast, we love to highlight creatives, and we love to give them advice on how to legitimize their businesses. Because a lot of times, creatives you know have they do have such a creative mindset like if they're an artist they really only should be focusing on making art are, or yeah. or making music and i think that I always say that every artist needs a manager because the manager is really the glue that holds everyone together—the team, the artist—you know, making sure that everything is in line. Because they really should only be honing in on their craft.
1: That's right. Yeah. So
0: I wanted to ask you, since you do a lot of like contract reviews and negotiations and management, what are some common mistakes that you see when working with these
1: artists? It's a really good question, very valuable one. And I think the biggest issue um, is that. Artists don't know when to ask for help, you know? I I feel like I've run into a situation many times where, like, an artist really just tries to overextend themselves, right? And um, they try to, like, go outside of their artist role to try to say, okay, now I can be, like, a negotiator. I could be a lawyer and read this contract, right? And um, I think they're really doing a disservice to themselves because they're spreading themselves a bit thin, You know, they're kind of veering away from focusing on what they're good at and they're getting into a whole other area that they're that they may be very unfamiliar with, you know. And very rarely does it turn out well. Very, very rarely does it turn out well. You know, so I think one of the biggest issues that I see with artists is like not knowing when to ask for help and not just, you know, getting into a situation, whether it be a contract or some sort of negotiation and really just saying, you know what, I'm an artist, I'm a painter, a musician, let me focus on that and when I need help with something else, let me bring in somebody who's actually able to help with that. Right. I would say that's the the biggest thing, you know?
0: Yeah, because I think that artists are so creative that it's difficult for them to take a step back, especially when it deals with their craft, right? Because they're protective over it and they put so much time and effort into it. So giving the reins to someone else, whether a manager or a lawyer, it can be a little bit Daunting at times because they they want that full creative control. So working with these artists, you know, contracts are a really tricky subject, especially if you're an artist who's about to get signed to a label because the language is so complicated and they they do that on purpose because they don't want you to you know understand understand exactly what you're signing up for. So I think that when it comes to negotiations, you know especially with contracts, you may think that you're reading one thing, but it actually means another.
1: Yeah, that's that's certainly true, especially with these contracts. They have, you know, a lot of like uh, legal terms, a lot of words of art, right, that are really made for lawyers to read and understand and not so much like a layman or an artist. I don't, I don't mean that, you know, in a bad way. It's, it's just how it is. Um, And it's kind of crappy because it really puts the artist in a position to either A, enter into a situation that they're not 100% familiar with, or B, have to kind of reach out and ask for help. And sometimes artists don't like to do that. Artists kind of want to, some, not all, want to kind of uh, control the entire realm of whatever it is that they're working on. And it's not really the best place to be if you're an artist. Yeah, totally agreed.
0: Aside from... Artists and working on contracts, like with a record label. What are some other things that you see from just creatives in general that you know a recurring theme?
1: Well, on the intellectual property side, I think a lot of people overlook the importance of like actually protecting their music, um, but not just their music. I mean, their their marks too. I mean, like their name, their their lyrics, things like that. I th- I think that people really really sleep on that, and I think part of the reason why they sleep on it is because I think. They think it's such a big hurdle. I think it's like, oh, my God, copyright? What's a copyright? I have no idea how to do this. But really, it's not really that big of a deal, and it's not that hard to do. But I think that people just kind of sleep on it. They say, oh, you know, I don't need to do that. Or, oh, man, that's, you know, way too big for what I'm doing. And people overlook it, and it's not a good thing because it's a very, very important step um, in a musician's career.
0: So if I'm an artist and I want to copyright something, how do I go about doing that?
1: You definitely want to talk to a copyright attorney. And I know that that sounds like so dreadful, right? Oh my God, I got to call an attorney. But the truth of the matter is it's it's paperwork. It's very, very streamlined paperwork. And any artist, any musician that wants to copyright a song, it's not that expensive and it's not that difficult to do. And the risk reward is definitely there. I mean, it might cost a few hundred dollars to talk to a lawyer and to file the papers. But I mean, look at what you're getting. You're, you're getting the benefit of knowing that the united states will protect your work you know in the event that there's ever an infringement issue and i think that's worth a few hundred dollars it might not be worth a few hundred dollars to an artist who isn't really serious about their career or not serious about their music but for the artist out there who is actually putting everything they've got into their music and their craft i think it's a drop in the bucket
0: that's a good point yeah yeah i think it's all relative and i think that it really depends on like your long-term strategy. Yeah, exactly. Because anyone can just come out with a song. I mean, the tools that we have now, going back to creating content, the tools that we have are, are so accessible. I can, you know, we're recording this on GarageBand. Yeah, I can it's, literally it's just add some beats right now and drop a song on right, iTunes and someone right. can buy it. Yeah. And then that's how you like create your, your income stream. So I think that that's important. So going back to uh, content creation, how we were talking about. So- Gil used to be in a band called Multiple. Well this one, this one was your biggest one. Yeah, it
1: was.
0: (laughs) Gil was in a band called Mosswood. And I was their official band photographer at 12 years old. The best one around. Literally bought a camera on Groupon and I was just obsessed with taking pictures of any and everything. Like leaves, I would take pictures and like print them out and make my parents look at them and everything like that. And I think that it's really funny um, because back when I was quote unquote creating content and not realizing that I was like I was just taking pictures for whatever. And this is before um, Instagram. This was when like Facebook had that two hundred picture limit per album. Yeah, Do you yeah, remember that? Absolutely. And we had yeah. to like upload fourteen <laughs> albums if we went on a trip and yeah. and get everyone to to tag and do everything they do but content creation has become so accessible what are some major things that you've seen uh in terms of like making things more accessible from you know just having your own phone you can be a youtuber and just buying a camera you can do whatever you want what's your perspective on that
1: i think the best way to really understand how far content creation has developed is to look at it 30 years ago or 35 years ago and obviously farther back than that I mean before the way it was that musicians would have to be signed to a label right that was that was the big break that was the idea right musicians they dreamed they they would play shows they would live the quote-unquote rock star life to finally make their big break and that big break usually was getting signed to a label the reason why getting signed to a label back then was so alluring is because the label was able to provide things to the musician that the musician otherwise wouldn't have been able to get, right? Studio time, production, um, distribution, marketing. These were things that back then only big companies can do. Fast forward now, I mean, that's just not the case, right? Like You have kids making hit songs on their MacBook, right? Then they distribute it to iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, where people can listen for free and then they market it on instagram and tiktok on their iphone i mean it's amazing to see um, the duality from just you know three decades ago um so as far as the tools that people have these days i mean there's no reason why content creators should feel limited i mean they have all the tools at their disposable at their disposal for you know a relatively small sum of money you know uh you could go to a recording studio and cut a record. I mean, don't get me wrong, 1000 thousand, two thousand $2,000 is a lot of money, but it's not life-changing money. You know, you can go and record an album for 1000 thousand, two thousand 2000 bucks. You can put it on Spotify and every streaming platform on the internet for nearly nothing, and you can distribute it and market it for practically free. And monetize it. And monetize it. I mean, like, it, just that opportunity is incredible. And... You raised a really good point with YouTube, right? YouTube, I think, is a really cool example of this, right? Because if you remember like 10, 12 years ago on YouTube, the only videos that were on was like, Charlie bit me, right? Like oh my that was God, right, throwback. Or like-, or, or like uh, you Where's know, the chapstick? Oh, right, oh my God, shoes, oh right? Oh my God. <laughs> While we're going into the vault, for yeah, that one. but but that's that's what it was. It was just this weird place to go watch these you know viral videos, right? And then I, I forgot when the turn was, but maybe 2010, 2011, used to, YouTube started. Um, advertising on YouTube, and then they started sharing those revenues with the content creators. So almost overnight, you had a ton of people just flock to YouTube as content creators because now they can make a living from it. Now, fast forward to 2020, you had people, and I'm not joking, making millions of dollars a year just making videos on YouTube. And what do they need to make these videos? I mean, making millions of dollars. you would think you need like, you know, a a production studio, like a camera crew. These people are doing it with their iPhones with maybe a small DSLR that they, you know, have on a tripod in their room. You know, there's no reason to not be a content creator in 2020. If you have a talent, if you have a look, if you have an image and you want to get that out there, I mean, now's the time. Now is the time. And it's just amazing to see how successful some of these content creators have have become with not a lot of resources, and they've really bootstrapped and got themselves to great, great heights. It's amazing to see. It's like those those
0: OG YouTubers like David Dobrik and um, Jake Paul, like. At the beginning of YouTube, they did have just like their DSLRs on a tripod that they could transport around, like one of those handheld ones. And they made so much money just doing daily vlogs about their life and playing jokes on people and pranks and all that stuff. They were making so much money that YouTube actually ended up changing their uh, model for paying content creators because... It was so scarce in the beginning yeah. and it was so unheard of like people recording their daily lives it it was kind of a weird concept at the time it wasn't like you had a reality show it wasn't the simple life you're not a famous you know influencer or celebrity you're just a random person who has a camera and people found your videos funny and now you're like 20 million dollars richer Right So although it has changed a little bit with like the pay structure once you monetize yourself or or, or showcase you know, what your niche is and what type of content you're going to be creating. And you put that on YouTube, even if YouTube isn't paying you the millions of dollars, there's so many other outlets where you can repurpose that content. For example, posting a trailer on your Instagram with a swipe up to YouTube or uh, posting it on Twitter and making it go viral. And then you can link all of those social channels to, Other streams of income like creating merch or selling products or starting your own company. And you already have that following that it's just so much easier to make more money, even if you're not getting it directly from one source. So it's like, find the source that works best for you, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, whatever's best for your personality, your business, your business model figure out what that is and really hone in on it and become a perfectionist with it. And then from there you can really branch out into the other platforms. Like with TikTok alone, I mean It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Addison Ray, who dances on TikTok and she's, you know, twenty years old or yeah. however old she is. She has 30 million Instagram followers. It's
1: uh, That's wild. I mean, just think about 30 million Instagram followers.
0: There's so much money to be made because the world is so big. You can't look at it as like, I'm from, this, from the US, so you're looking at it from like a United States perspective. It's more, you have to look at it from a global perspective because there are people who follow her who live in different countries. Right. Who maybe figured out who she is and they continue to follow her journey. And there's money to be made in other yeah. in other countries. Like I was watching, I forgot some music documentary and Scooter Braun was on it who's a really famous uh, manager. He manages Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber and a bunch of other people. And I don't know if you guys remember, but Carly Rae Jepsen who had that Call Me, Call maybe. Me maybe song, yeah. everyone was like, oh, she's a one hit wonder and she only has that one song. And he actually went on camera and was like, no, she may only have this one song, but she's actually Japan's number one artist. And she was basically living in Japan because she was making so much money she was thriving there, there yeah. thriving in Japan. And yeah. he's like, The number one thing that I want to tell people is that the world is so big and you can't just look at it from where you're from. Right. There's billions of people in the world. I mean, even look at Paris Hilton, right? Like, she's the number one DJ in Tokyo or whatever. And that's just,
1: like, so And wild obviously, and she's coming man.
0: from a different platform, and she has, you know, she's extremely wealthy and famous, and that's a different avenue. But she could have definitely just kept it in the States, and maybe no one would have known who she was outside, but she decided to branch out. And I don't know if you guys saw that Paris Hilton documentary, but... On YouTube, um, completely free. There was like 16 million views in 24 hours, and she talks about how she has 27 perfumes. Uh, She's DJing in Dubai, in Japan. She has residencies there. She's there like once a week, flies back for something else, and she's worth over 300 million dollars now. Aside from her from her family's money, like of course that helped launch her career, but she really ran with it, and she is a self-made millionaire at this point because, you know, she didn't inherit money from her grandfather when he passed away. He basically gave all of his money to charity and I think they got like, you know, a few million dollars, which it's a lot, but compared to like the billions of dollars that he had, they thought that they were going to get a larger cut. So she thought, okay, I need to start my own thing. I need to really branch out. And in the documentary, she really emphasizes how... You know, there's so many different markets in the world. And if you're creating a piece of content or you're creating a product, there's going to be someone who wants to buy it. There's going to be a target market for that. So I think that moral of the story is to not limit yourself and to really just figure out what you're good at and what you like and what you're passionate about and go full throttle. Because if, you know, people in your city, state, country aren't fully invested, maybe another city, country group of people will be your number one fans absolutely and it's just so crazy because I feel like we're so desensitized uh, to social media and new products coming out and all these things we kind of just like roll with it like TikTok dropped and everyone made a TikTok and now It started from dancing videos and now people have like life hacks on TikTok. And I went to my friend's house for dinner the other night and she's like, oh my God, I made this thing. I saw it on TikTok. I'm like, people are using TikTok for recipes. It's wild. Don't mind me. I don't have a TikTok because it would be like a black hole for me and I would never get off of it. I see the TikToks reposted on Instagram reels and it's just like, I spend way too much time. So I do it for my own sanity. But I do know that, you know, what something is presented as when they first come out is usually never what it ends up as for example facebook
1: yeah instagram too
0: instagram too but even facebook that was created for colleges right to i think it was like to rank your classmates or something like women from hottest to not hottest i
1: think that was pre-facebook that that was called um, uh, I forgot what he, Mark Zuckerberg got in trouble for it. He originally made a website where you can rank. Right. The it was classmates. pre-Facebook. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So after that happened, uh, he ended up creating Facebook for college students to connect with each other. And right. now it's the largest platform in the world. I yeah. mean, Facebook owns WhatsApp, Instagram, and a million other things. Yeah. And it's transformed into something that he probably never thought it would transform into, you know? So it just goes to show that if you're passionate about something and you love something to just start it, because you never, know where it's going to end up five, 10 years from now. You never know how you're going to evolve and adapt to the ever-changing culture and community around you. And I think that it's really important to just go after it.
1: You have to go after it. And, and you know, content creators these days are lucky because 30 years ago or whenever there was a barrier to entry. You know, you would need resources. You would need uh, whatever it is that was entailed in creating what you wanted to create. But these days, that's not the case. You just need
0: a ring light and your
1: it, iPhone 12. It, literally, that's really what it is. And you see it all over the internet. You see this, um, this trend where people are kind of moving away from this um, corporation, produced product, if you will, and they're going kind of like self-made and it's really interesting to see.
0: The cool thing about that is that creators have way more control over the content that gets put out. Because for example, if you're looking at like a reality show from back in the day, obviously it's really edited. You look at like the Hills or Laguna Beach, which is one of the biggest um, first reality shows. And they can really just edit it to make you look like a villain or edit it to make you look like the good girl when in reality maybe it was a completely different situation in real life. Whereas if you have your own YouTube channel or you have your own Instagram, you're able to really curate that content to what you want it to be. You have full creative control, which that's the craziest part of it all is that you are basically curating your own life and what people are seeing from your own life. So you can really market yourself however you want to, if you want to show people you're really good at like cooking, you're really good at making music and you do tutorials, like that's what you can be known for because you have that control. Right. And I think that that's the coolest part.
1: You're the producer, you're the director, you're the head of marketing. I mean, you're really wearing all the hats. A
0: hundred percent. And
1: it's, it's really invigorating. I mean, you know, you have a lot of power and it's, it's a very powerful position to be in. And that's why, you know, these days I don't see any reason for content creators to feel like they have this barrier to entry because it doesn't exist. It's literally not there. And like I challenge anyone with the talent, I would challenge them to come to me and say, you know what Gil, I really wanna get into X, Y, Z, but I feel like I can't and I'll be like, please tell me why, you know, and I will tell you how to get there because it's just, we have the tools, you know, computers and iPhones and iPads, it's all there and it's just screaming for us to use and utilize to create something that, you know, uh, can be meaningful.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of the times, you know, myself included, I've been there where you really want to do something. Like, for example, I wanted to launch this podcast for so long, yeah, long and, I, and I kept being like, oh, well, I don't know. And I think that really stems from like not being sure of yourself or a sense of insecurity because you don't know what people are going to think. And dropping this podcast was like one of the best things I ever did. And I realized that you can just you know, edit it or change it as time goes on. You don't have to constantly overthink and overanalyze and be like, well, it's not perfect or I'm not the best editor or, you know, this, I don't have the best camera. It's totally fine. There are people who get huge off of like just using their iPhone or creating a personality for themselves online and they don't have any equipment except their phone. So I think that, one of the biggest things that I can say is to stop thinking about it and to just do it. You have all the resources. And me and Gil went to Guitar Center
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> like 17 times because I couldn't figure out which mic which I mic wanted. Get, yeah. And we went through every single one and then ended up like playing all these instruments really terribly. Well, me anyway, you were obviously killing it. Everyone <laughs> was coming over like, who's yeah. over here? And I think that, you know, you do have those places like Guitar Center where if you don't know what you want, you can definitely try it out. You know, you can go to Best Buy, you can go to these places. It is far and few, few and far between now because... You know, the internet has made things so accessible, like buying things on Amazon or eBay. But if you are unsure, I highly recommend going to a physical location of a place and checking out, you know, holding the camera, taking some pictures, making sure it's what you want. And that will really help your confidence. uh, You know, it'll give you a confidence boost. Depending on what you want to do, because you'll feel more secure in that what you're investing is is going to give you what you want.
1: Absolutely. And you could also, I mean, there are websites like, you know, Reddit is like an incredible resource. I mean, anything that a person can possibly be into is on Reddit in its own subreddit. It's, you yeah, know? it's crazy. You know, so if you're into photography and you want to get into it, you know, go to the photography subreddit, ask some questions. If you're into videography, the same thing. Music production, the same thing. I mean, the resources are out there. And as far as like the content creation, Creation is, is concerned it's not always about you know like making it big and um, sometimes that's not the end goal sometimes people create content just because they are passionate about making it. You know, you have artists out there who are painting beautiful paintings and photographers that are taking beautiful photos, not to sell them for a million dollars, just because they really take pride in what it is that they're doing. And I think that a lot of content creators really take pride in the content that they create. You know, if I if I record a great song, you know, I don't care to make any money off it. I just want to be known for this cool song that I wrote that I could send to my family, my friends, throw up on SoundCloud and get seven, you know, listens, whatever. <laughs> whatever it is right but like that's kind of the general idea it's not always about you know becoming the next you know Robert Plant Andy Warhol or Pablo Picasso sometimes there's an actual like enjoyment in just creating something having an idea going out and finding the best tool to Transfer that idea to something tangible and then finally doing it and then finally seeing your end result and thinking to yourself, I nailed it, right? And then putting that online to share with people, um, you know, to enjoy and see. There's a, you know, inherent uh, – I'm trying to think of the word. There's definitely an inherent like – love there there's like a sense of happiness you know and just doing that so even if a person doesn't make any money from it so to speak i just think the act alone is just you know really really nice especially if it's like a side gig if someone's like an accountant during the day but then like they really love like you know basket weaving or like knitting <laughs> whatever it is right and then you know uh, uh you know people make uh, videos on YouTube or something, just like kind of showing w- their talent. I mean, people watch that sort of stuff. There's a guy on YouTube. He's called the uh, the lock picking lawyer, right? This guy, his identity is unknown, right? No one knows exactly who he is. We know he's a lawyer. Smart, right? yeah, exactly. We know he's a lawyer. And this guy, ever since he's a little kid, he just he knows everything there is to know about locks, right? So he just very casually started this YouTube channel where he just just like you know. Uh, picks locks that's really just way he picks locks and then his channel started to grow and then his fans started sending him locks and challenging him so like every couple days this guy comes out with a video of him just like up oh, we got another challenge here someone wants to know what I can do this, within 30 seconds and he just picks this crazy lock right and his his uh his channel has like millions of uh of subscribers. I mean, he's monetized. He's done very, very well on it, but he doesn't strike me like a guy who really cares about the money. This guy just <laughs> likes to pick locks.
0: So guys, um, if a lock picker can make it, so can you.
1: Absolutely. There, there's there's no barrier for you guys. That's so funny. And yeah.
0: I listen to a lot of Gary V. and... Yeah. Basically, the premise of everything that he says is stop worrying about the end result. Stop worrying about the money and just yeah. find something that you really love and, and you're passionate about yeah. and just do it yeah. and just see what happens because it's not like whatever you put out into the world is final. You can always edit, get better, grow, and that's that shows growth and it shows that you – you know, took feedback into account from maybe your audience or people who start following you. And that's how you develop into a brand. So you don't have to have it all figured out. Just make sure that you love it.
1: Absolutely. It's... That's the most important part. And I think that if you, again, look back 30, 35 years ago when none of these resources were available, and if people these days think that there's a barrier to entry, what do you think musicians 35 years felt? You know, to, to jump into that pool, you know, how would you become a musician 35 years ago? I couldn't even fathom doing that. You know, now if I want to write a song, I pick up my guitar, I plug into my computer, I have a B machine, I have a bass. Like, I, I can do that, you know, if I want to uh, make a video or like take photos and stuff like that. I can do that. Um, it wasn't always like that. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of, you know, difficult for like the newer generation to appreciate it. Right. But, um,
0: I think that there's also like on the flip side, there is a lot of saturation in the marketplace. Like everyone's a YouTuber. Everyone has a YouTube channel. Like anyone can create a podcast, just buy a mic, plug it in and upload it. Like it, there is so much saturation, but I think that it's important to not focus on that and to really just stay true to yourself and not focus on what other people are doing and just figure out what you're passionate about and hone in on it and just aim to get better every single day. Absolutely. I think that's just like the main takeaway is that
1: you just have to do what you love. And the the issue of saturation, I don't don't even know that that's necessarily a drawback, you know, because um, if I'm creating something, I want to post it where I know a bunch of people are already looking and where they're already spending their time, you know, so uh, I, I don't really see that as much of an issue, you know, if it's saturated, okay, so what, big deal with saturated, what isn't saturated, you know, everything's saturated, you know. Um, but that shouldn't be a a deterrent, you know, it also
0: leaves room for more collaboration because if you have a YouTube channel and your friend has a YouTube channel, you guys can make a video together and cross promote each other. And then you can get some of their followers who maybe wouldn't have followed you in the first place and then vice versa for them. Yep. So I think that, you know, taking every potential negative and looking at it in a positive light and
1: turning it into an opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's definitely what it's about. And I think that there's no reason these days for people not to just kind of take that leap and to just dive right into it. Everything is there like at their fingertips. You know, maybe they don't realize it, maybe they don't appreciate it 100%, but like it's absolutely there. And as I mentioned, it's like screaming to be utilized. Like your iPhone like wants to like take pictures. I know that sounds crazy, but like it was literally designed, think about it, okay? The phone, okay, so Apple designs this iPhone, okay? In 2007, okay? Tell me one innovation to the actual phone. There hasn't been. They made the phone one time, I'm talking about the actual, like the calling feature, there have been no innovations. They made the call, they're like, all right, we got the phone, that's it. What have they worked on every single year? The camera. There has never been a year where the, where Apple announced a new iPhone and did not make a leap of an innovation with the camera. And there's a reason for that. Apple literally makes phones, it's, it's a camera with a phone, not a phone with a camera in my opinion you know mm-hmm. uh, and and everybody i mean even even if you have an iphone that's 3 years old the iphone 10 the iphone you know 8 8 plus whatever it is there's still incredible cameras
0: yeah and i know that when i showed you my camera when i had i i think the 10 and i showed it to you and you you showed me how to change the video camera to shoot 4k oh yeah and i was like what i've been shooting like super low res being yeah. being like i have the 10 why isn't the camera better there's yeah. actually settings that you can go into and change and change it to 4k and shoot an entire movie in
1: 4k in from 4k your phone. from
0: your phone yeah. and then upload it to imovie which is free yep switch up the edits, you know, create your little trailer and whatnot, and you have a YouTube video. Boom,
1: that's it, just like that.
0: And it's just so funny because back in the day when I was, oh my god, I sound so old, but back in the day when I was getting into photography, I mean, the cool thing out was like the Razer flip phone. There were no iPhones that existed. So I had to lug around my super heavy camera everywhere with like all of my lenses and, you know, all of these all of this equipment that I had to bring to even just get like a regular image of something and I found my camera a while ago I haven't used it in forever because I just used my iPhone and I took a picture and I was like why is this so blurry? (laughs) I'm like my iPhone is a thousand times better. My portrait mode is like The best lens that I could think of instead of having to carry around like a huge DSLR with with like my um, camera case and my lenses or like if I'm going on a trip, I don't want to be taking this huge thing with me everywhere that I go. I want to just pull out my iPhone, take a picture and leave. And, you know, there's so many other resources like filters and presets that are really a new thing that I would say within the past few years there there used to be just like Visco, which is an app where you can just edit Mm. and choose any one of their pre-made filters but now there's presets which add like a tremendous dimension to your photos because they edit things that you would never think of editing like you have your curves and all these things within Photoshop that you are in Lightroom that you don't think about. You're like, "Oh, I'll make it brighter and I'll add some contrast and that's the end of it." But if you have these presets which you can buy, you can find them for free, but the really good ones you can actually buy on Etsy and get like a pack of them for 10 bucks. Wow. Download Lightroom, they'll give you all the instructions on how to do it, and you literally copy and paste these presets into all of your images, all of your videos, and that way if you are a content creator or an influencer or a blogger, no matter what photos you take everything is going to look consistent because you have the same exact filter it's not like you're trying to make you know your visco app look like the other photo and you can't really get it right this one you literally copy and paste so that no matter what you're taking pictures of your feed looks consistent it looks like it's one brand you have like your unique style for your brand or for yourself and that's been super helpful for me especially because You know, I'm very OCD with my Instagram feed and I wanna make sure that it looks nice just from like a visual perspective. And that's really sort of made me a little bit more free to uh, choose whichever content I want to take pictures of because I know that no matter what, it's still going to look good in. on my yeah, feed. Right. And that's re- that's really a tip that a lot of bloggers use that don't really they don't really talk about it. Everyone's always like, oh, how'd you get this filter? How'd you do this? And people don't want to say, oh, I got a Lightroom filter. They're like, oh, I made it or oh, I forgot. And it's like you didn't forget. Like you bought this on whatever website from yeah. whatever person. And. Tying that back into, if you're a photographer, you can create your own Lightroom presets, and you can sell those on Etsy, and you literally create them one time, create a zip folder, and someone will just purchase it by paying you and downloading it immediately. So it's like passive income. You don't have to do anything. And all of a sudden on Etsy, you have 300 orders of people buying your Lightroom presets and you ma- like made all your money back from whatever equipment that you bought as a photographer. That's awesome. So there's so many different avenues to make money, to expand your brand, to really just branch out in general of like your technique and things that you know how to do that can benefit You know other jobs that you have later on, or benefit yourself in growing your brand into another avenue.
1: Definitely, yeah. I think it's really well said, and um, I I don't see a reason for people not to do these things. You know, it's just everything's kind of already out there. I just don't see I don't see what what's holding anybody back.
0: I think a lot of times, especially as creatives, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, artists, photographers, and they work in that creative realm and the one thing that holds them back is themselves.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Because
0: they're so harsh on their work. And I was talking about this in another episode with Paper Water, the production duo for Miami. We were talking about how, you know, they have their own media agency and they have their own record label and they work with all of these different artists. And a lot of times when people are stressing out like, oh, I don't want to release this song or I don't want to try this new thing because they're scared of what people will think. That's actually like some of their best work. Wow. When they're when they're being really hard on themselves and being like, you know, I'm not so sure about this. I don't want to do this. That's actually when you should do it, because that's when you need to to try. You know, if you don't try something, that's more of a failure than p- trying and putting something out. And you know, maybe it doesn't work out. That's fine. You can always take that learning as feedback and apply that to whatever else you do next. So, if you're creative and you're listening, you know, stop over analyzing about that project and, you know, wondering if you should go into a different avenue within your your realm of creativity or art. this is the sign that you've been looking for. Just drop it.
1: yeah, just do it. just 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 do it. Yeah,, yeah. I think
0: that you know, we are our our own worst enemy.
1: biggest critiques, yeah exactly, definitely. especially
0: as creatives, because like we said at the beginning, you really should only be focused on creating. And of course, a lot of people don't have that luxury. You know, I'm sure there are people who are extremely talented who have day jobs and maybe can't dedicate as much time to their art as they would like, but where there's a will, there's a way. And I think that it's really important to figure out what your priorities are and what where you see yourself a few years from now, one year from now, six months from now. And if you want to quit your job and be an artist full-time, you have to figure out exactly what you're going to sacrifice for that to happen because things like that don't come easy and i think that a lot of people see these content creators and influencers blow up on instagram and they're like oh this girl's just posting bikini pictures and she has a million followers or this person is you know they blew up right after they started doing something and i think that the comparison culture is like the root of all evil Yeah, it's
1: pretty toxic especially when it comes
0: to creating so i think that the one takeaway is that you know focus on yourself like put your blinders on figure out what is important to you and really hone in on what you want to be known for and what makes you happy and stop focusing on the end result you know focus on the process be present do what you need to do right now and you'll get to where you want to be
1: even experts started as beginners Right, that's that's really what it boils down to. I mean, Muhammad Ali. There was a day where Muhammad Ali was not a boxer, right? <laughs> there was a day that Tiger Woods did not know how to golf.
0: There was a day right? that Jeff Bezos didn't have a job.
1: That's absolutely right. You uh-huh. know, so I mean, if you just look at um, you just look at characters like that, and you think, you know, if they never started, this world would be less. Um, yeah, you know, we wouldn't have Muhammad Ali. We wouldn't have Jeff Bezos. It's just, it's ridiculous to think, you know, there's no reason not a to A life without to...
0: Amazon? I mean, can you even fathom it? I,
1: I, I don't want to think about that. Yeah, it's a problem.
0: Yeah. My Amazon is like, I need to delete the app.
1: Yeah, it's a bit addicting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, in my building,
0: they're like, so you have another package. <laughs> I'm like, can you not judge me? Thank you. <sighs>
1: yeah, no, yeah. It's, uh, it's Everybody amazing. starts somewhere. Yeah, And
0: absolutely. I think that... You know, whether you're a creative or not, if you work in finance or you're a lawyer or you do something else, like, don't put so much pressure on yourself because, especially with Instagram and, and you know, working in social media, it's you really just see people's highlight reels. And I yeah. think people forget that.
1: I mean, it's, it's yeah, people definitely forget that. And um, it's very difficult to, you know, see that kind of content compare it to, you know, what you're putting out and feel like, you know, your content might be inferior. But it's it's not about that. That's not the focal point. Again, you can't focus on what other people are doing. You have to focus on what you're doing. And you have to focus on, you know, your journey and the path that you're on and, and worry about yourself. Because the second that you start looking around, I mean, you've already lost at that point. You can't do that. You can't afford to do that. You know what I mean? You have to just be driven. You have to have one direction and that's like forward, go straight, full speed. That's yeah. It. I
0: think also with with that, when you're comparing yourself, like you don't know how much time and effort they put in to get to where they are. Sure. You look at Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it looks like overnight she became a success and now she's Ariana Grande. Like, right. no, you don't see the blood, sweat and tears that other people put in behind the scenes that get them to where they are.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
0: So the message of today is to just do it.
1: Just do it. I mean, like, and, and by the way, Nike is not sponsoring this, video, this podcast. <laughs> not yet, right? anyway. Not yet, yeah. If anybody out there from Nike is listening, I mean... Uh, hit up my lawyer. His yeah. name is Gil. I'll give you his email. <laughs> Slide into our DMs. But yeah, I mean, just 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 get out there and do it. And, and, you know, some people, this is a little tip, and I know that it's a work for some people that I know. Some people have an issue attaching their identity with their content. Some people... They want to share their videos, they want to share their their art, but they don't want that to um, be an extension of their personal identity. And to those people, I just say make anonymous Instagram accounts, make anonymous YouTube accounts, make make yourself a creative person. Profile. If that's what it will take to get you to, to like take the leap and to get yourself out there, do it. Because I get it. I mean, like if I were releasing music tomorrow, I probably wouldn't do it under Gilco Hobby. I would come up with some stupid band name, right? Like I don't know what it would be, and I would just do it under that, just because I don't want it attached to myself. I could always send it to a friend, I could send it to you, and I could say, Hey, listen, this is something that I've made, but I understand that people kind of want to keep the separation between their personal identity and their content. So if you're worried about, you know, your content being an extension of yourself and you don't want the two to connect to each other just go incognito
0: look at the the lawyer who picks locks yeah no exactly. one knows who he that's is
1: absolutely right and this guy is making millions
0: that's crazy yeah
1: That's exactly right. That's a perfect example. And
0: also her, the artist, H-E-R, she actually started out and no one knew what she looked like at all. She had this like amazing angelic voice and everyone was like, who is that? She never showed her face, never did live concerts. And then eventually, of course, she wanted to get into that. So she showed who she was and she always wears like sunglasses on stage and has that little incognito vibe. But I think that's a great idea if you're you're scared or, or not comfortable enough to do it attached to your name, you can always create like an alter ego.
1: I never thought of that. And and you know what? It just goes to show that you could have people that are, you know, at the top of their game, you know, that I don't want to say famous, but sure, famous, popular, whatever. And even at that level, there are people that still may not be fully confident in themselves. And and there are people that still might have issues with self, um, you know, consciousness and stuff like that. So if that's an issue and if that's the only issue, just settle it. Just create an extension of yourself and work on that. I mean, it's doable. The tools are there, and and a lot of people do it. It's very, very common that people do that. A lot of musicians do it. A lot of artists do. It. I mean, look at Banksy.
0: I mean, that's like the number one. We should have said. Right, like, no like, one knows yeah, who like, he like is. Who is
1: Banksy? Right. And I was
0: I was in Amsterdam last year, and I was just walking around and saw that Banksy had an exhibit, and I was like. Wait, Banksy reached all the way to Amsterdam to where he's like taking over this huge museum. And he did a collaboration, uh, not a collaboration, sorry. He did an exhibit with uh, Daniel Arsham, who's also a a really well-known artist. And you're just walking around looking at all of these pieces of art from Banksy and they're literally like cutting off concrete on the side of buildings where he spray painted something and they'll like cut that piece of concrete off yeah. and like put it in a glass case. And it's, you know, whatever his stencil drawing is. And people are like, you can't touch this. This is, you know, magical. And nobody even knows who he is. It's amazing. And he's was like years later yeah, and he can just amazing. pop up in any random city and, you know, create a piece of art on the side of a building and it goes viral. Look at that, um, auction that happened. Yeah. Do you remember that? Was yeah. it with Christie's or something?
1: Uh, I I believe it was uh, Sotheby's. Softsby's. Yeah, Sotheby's. Sotheby's. Okay. I can't, yeah, yeah. can't remember it pronounce. It was with Sotheby's. Yeah.
0: one of them, and someone bought his art for yeah. like millions yeah, of dollars, the and around. then he and then right when it went through, he, he shredded, shredded it, the piece yeah. of art, and everybody How was epic. just like, yeah. "What the hell happened?" Yeah. Like, and nobody even knows who he is. Right. So you can create you know, world-changing, riveting art that moves millions of people. And if you don't feel comfortable having your identity out there, if Banksy can do it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And and who knows why Banksy doesn't reveal his identity, right? Like, I, I don't think the artist Banksy has ever really disclosed why they are kind of withholding their identity, but it could be a whole slew of different issues, right? Um, but I know a lot of musicians on Instagram do that. I know a lot of them who they play guitar or they sing and they don't show their face their their Instagram handle does not have their name because they want to separate their art from themselves and I get that I understand that. I mean like you know you know what it's like It's the difference between American Idol and the uh, what's that the voice. Oh, my God. There's
0: even The Masked
1: Singer. Oh, and The Masked Singer. There you go. I didn't see that one. That's one with yeah, the celebrities, right? right? Yeah, yeah. But that's the general idea. I Exactly. Think, I think American Idol, I mean, like, in my opinion, I think it's like, extremely biased, right? Like, because when, when, when these people would come out to start singing, I mean, like, you know... Inevitably, the judges would say, oh, you know, I like the way this person looks. Oh, this person looks a little, you know, kind of like a little clown. (laughs) You know, it was just, you couldn't help it. Then the voice comes out. It solved that problem, you know, and it just goes to show that the bias is absolutely there. It's not something that you and I are making up sitting here talking. It's there. It's real. But there are ways around it. There are ways to skirt it completely. So if that's what's holding you back, if you know if you want to release your music but you're, you know, uh, worried or concerned that um, that some of the content you know you don't want it relating to you, you can do that. In fact, the managing partner in my law firm, we shall not say his name, he is an international DJ and uh-huh. he's under a name that has nothing to do with his own personal name. It's amazing. He I I saw some of his deals. He he gets on a lot of like big um, like music festivals and stuff like that he's like a traveling DJ this guy like he's he's kind of I don't want to say a big deal I guess he's a big deal in like EDM techno whatever you know goes on over there but like he has completely separated his musician name and his art from his actual personal identity you know and there are a lot of reasons there's you know endless reasons why people do that so you know if someone is self conscious or they're just unsure of how to get started and they're kind of on the fence or they have cold feet about you know really putting themselves out there because when artists put out their own work they're also putting themselves out there right they're standing behind what they're making if they don't want to do that just create an anonymous name who cares it's such a good point i really never thought about that well that's because you have no reason to ever mask your identity blair Okay. Hey, maybe
0: I'll pull up on The mass Singer and I have the voice of Barbara Streisand. You, you never know. know. Hey, you know what?
1: I, I really wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, you should okay. be.
0: I can't sing for anything. I really wish I could. It really makes two of us.
1: <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's the so general true. idea. There's some people out there that just don't want to associate themselves with their own content. So true. And that's fine, you know? Yeah. But don't let that hold you back from creating it, you know? Just make it. Just come up with some stupid, weird name. I mean, who cares? Such a good point. Yeah, you could always come out later. You can always Banksy could reveal himself tomorrow. The lock picking lawyer can turn the camera to his face <laughs> like, Hey guys, it's Bob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is me. Yeah, you know. Um, so what's stopping you? What's stopping you? What's stopping you? That's the question of the podcast. What's stopping you? And it's not a rhetorical question, right into Blair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, we will. Can, can we? Can we make a commitment to the listeners? Yes. That if they DM you, okay, share their DM with me, okay. What's stopping you? Answer us. Write to us, okay. And Blair will give you an answer, and I will give you an answer, okay. You tell us what's stopping you, and we'll tell you how to just like push through that barrier. And I get it love done. that. Isn't that awesome? I think that's
0: perfect. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to end. You know, listen to this podcast, figure out what's
1: stopping you, and I'll put you in a group chat with me and Gil, and we'll help you get over that. Absolutely. And if it's like a legal or business issue or a social media engagement issue or any issue, we'll do our best to help. And at a minimum, we'll point you in the right direction. Right?
0: Right. Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to end the podcast.
1: I think that's a pretty good (laughs) idea.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you love this episode. Make sure to subscribe, follow me on Instagram, at The Blair List, and stay tuned for a new episode dropping next Wednesday at 5 p.m.
1: Bye. See you later, guys.